Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Be The Frequency podcast. I'm your host, Shalane Carter, and this podcast is the perfect convergence of all things health, wealth, quantum physics, and spirituality. I help bring you practical tools to be able to understand and utilize the subtle energy realms to work for you to create the most abundant life. I have been everything from a single mom living off food stamps, being a makeup artist and feeling so lost, to building a six-figure business, attracting the love of my life, traveling the world and feeling incredibly aligned with my purpose here on earth. With my background in healing and being on the road to getting my PhD in integrative medicine myself, along with many other incredible guests are going to share with you how to actually change your habits and shift your frequency so you can begin to live the life that you know you were meant to. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Let's do this. Welcome back everyone to the Be The Frequency podcast. I am really excited to sit down with my guest today, Tina Von Sachs. She is a, an incredible, an incredible human and actually we didn't meet through business or anything like that. Um, we met, she was in yoga teacher training and we became friends through there. I was mentoring um, in the training and and her and I really just jive together. And the more I got to know Tina, the more in her story, the more I was like, I really like this lady. I really like her. And um, we are, if you missed on Instagram, I am doing a sober October. So for the entire month of October, I am not drinking, not because of I think sometimes, and this is why we wanted to have this conversation. It's more that the curiosity of the habits behind alcohol that I was like, why? I'm not a big drinker, but there are certain times I always joke that I'm like, it's like I would um, I would kind of drink and I would like, it's like I was making up for lost time sometimes and like over drink. Um, sometimes I'm really good about like, okay, that's good. I feel a buzz. Like where, when does that happen? Why does that happen? Um, and I'm really more of a drinker for celebrating, but Tina specifically specializes in this. So I thought she was a really great person to come and be able to speak to you because, um, if, if you are my friend on Instagram, if you aren't, you should go get, hit follow, uh, at Shalane Carter on Instagram and also on TikTok pretty much everywhere because I have a unique name. So it's great because nobody takes it, but, um, I really wanted to have this conversation with her to be able to support all of you that wanted to also participate in this sober October because she has incredible, not just insight, but she's created programs and really has a, an awareness. This is something that she does all year for people is really help people travel through this sober journey. So thank you so much, Tina, for, for being here and having this conversation. Thank you. I'm super excited that we like do this now. I'm so thrilled, you know, like you said too, I, when, when you did the yoga teacher training and we met, I'm like, oh my gosh, your energy is so amazing. And I felt so drawn to you. So now having that connection go past it is just, I'm just so grateful to be here. So yay. yeah, it's fun. I, I feel like that's part of life is like the layers of relationships that it always kind of starts someplace. And that's not usually where it ends like how it develops and evolves and, and kind of blossoms. So this is just like another iteration of that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would love for you to kind of tell everybody a little bit about your, your story and, and how you kind of got to be, how you created. Um, she has, it's called the sober month experiment. It's a program that she runs all year long um, and how you kind of came to that place, not just professionally, but also like through lifestyle and things like that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah. So, you know, honestly, for me, and I'm in my 50, like beginning 50s now, I don't like to say it, but now I say it. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> own it. Yes, I own it. So it's, oh my gosh, you know, I grew up in Germany and beer was just culture, right? So we had beer for lunch. I was 14 and I started drinking basically. And it was never really, it was never a big deal until I immigrated into the US, which was at my late 20s. And I didn't have kids back then yet. So I was just partying, drinking, drinking, drinking. And eventually I'm really, you know, condensing it. But it came to a point where alcohol controlled me and I had no control over alcohol anymore. So I would do, I wouldn't have an off button, you know, I would be completely successful in my career. I, I became a fitness instructor, but there was this other side of me where I was drinking way more than I should, you know, blackout driving sometimes, um, not having an off button, neglecting my children in a way that I would you know drop them off at games and then have my husband watch them so I could go to a bar and drink and it would just it wouldn't be destructive really it would just kind of take away my life quality and really my presence that I could have with my children and my loved ones and then it came to the point where it just it took over little by little you know it wasn't overnight it was over years 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 where eventually it just, I was planning my life around alcohol and I didn't realize it. You know, I was planning, okay, I have these on the weekends. I was, I have these and these chores to do. Well, let me do them right away and get all that stuff out of my way so I can then shut off and drink. Or, you know, when I knew I'd go to brunch with my, with my friends, I would not plan anything after because I was, I knew I wasn't able to do that. So, mm-hmm. Then it came to a point where it became more destructive than helpful, you know, where it really, I had mornings where I then wouldn't maybe go to work one, one Monday morning, maybe not all the time. I was still functioning, very functioning, but it started creeping into my life to the point where I wasn't living anymore. I was just existing. And even though I worked out all the, I mean, I did all the time. Yeah. I, I worked out. I ate right. Yeah, you know, she's, the- she's a workout fiend, even still, <laughs> even now. <laughs> You know, there was still this, uh, it was teaching classes hung over sometimes, you know, there was this other side and it was before COVID. My dad had died in 2019, August. So I went home, home is Germany. And, you know, we, we had this um, funeral and it was drinking so much. And it was December, 2019, because for those of you that don't know, alcohol is a depressant. So the more you have it in the system, the more it affects how you feel you know and some people take drugs for depression for depression and it's, sometimes it's clinical it's okay but when you try to to drink it away it makes it worse and the same with anxiety you know when you have anxiety already and you drink it's almost like you're putting fuel into the fire but I wasn't aware of that and so I was drinking I was sad my dad I was you know away from home but in December 2019 I had a point where I was so low that I was out with a girl and we were drinking and I was driving home Las Vegas Boulevard and I, I hit every red light on purpose because I just, I didn't care anymore. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to be in this misery. And that was the day when I said, okay, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm not going to drink anymore. And so I found some books. There's some excellent books, by the way. And just to back step a little, back, go, go back a little bit. I tried AA, I tried therapy. I tried a church program, you know, over the years leading up to that, just because I always knew that's not me. I wanted to be better. And I tried an alcohol counselor, but that person has never drank in her life. So she couldn't really relate. Oh. It was, yeah. I kind of have to be able to speak to, yeah. it's hard when people are like, 
there are certain things I think you don't need to physically experience to be able to help somebody through something. But I feel like something like alcoholism or any type of drug issue or things like that, it's very hard to have that perspective if you've never had that perspective or, or something similar to it. Like if you were somebody who does primarily narcotics, you could also speak to, I think somebody who, who struggles with alcohol because it's a similar pull. You know what I mean? To never, never had a drink. Like it's really hard then to describe like what inebriated feels like. Yeah. It was very, you know, she had a book and she knows she had an education and she's a good person. She's trying to help people, but she couldn't relate at all. So for me, and then AA was a, a, a turning point. And, you know, these words like sobriety and, um, you know, you are an alcoholic, all these things really don't resonate with me because I learned over the years that it's a habit that we formed and it's an attachment that we formed to that thing that is making us act a certain way. But in most of the drinkers' cases, it's emotional. It's not physical. There's very there's a small percentage of really physically addicted, meaning you get up in the morning and you need alcohol to survive, right? You are at that point where you have your your body needs it. Then you also need to go to a hospital to detox. But the, the people I work with are people you know like me, like like career women who have uh, jobs that are very demanding, and then they have a family, they have children, maybe they have a sidekick on the side. And they are ashamed that they have this attachment to alcohol and that they sometimes feel that they cannot control it, you know, and it's when I went to AA, I felt like a complete failure because AA is doing good for some people. Amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking AA, but I think it's what we know nowadays about behavior change and how our brain works and how we, you know, the dopamine and all that connection when you understand that you understand that you're really just trying to numb numb something and then when you change your 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 thoughts you know your trigger first and then the thoughts and then the emotion that comes after you can really take your power back you know you don't have to be out there 20 years being sober saying i'm an alcoholic so so it wasn't for me, right? So then I was looking on the internet and I'm like, there has to be something else because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell myself I will never drink in my life again and, and label myself as something that I don't, I'm not. So I found um, Annie Grace's Naked Mind, which is amazing. She's a, a woman that was exactly like me, you know, and she changed her drinking through behavior change. So it wasn't so much about, oh my gosh, I can never drink again. It was about, I'm looking at the deeper issues of why I drink. Like, mm-hmm. why do, what does that give me? Because we only do something when we get a reward out of it, right? Um, well, we're driven that way. Like, yeah. and that's what people don't understand is, I think they feel a lot of guilt for things like this, but what you don't understand is that your biology is actually designed that way. In order to keep you safe, you want to stay with things that feel comfortable and pleasurable, keeps you at homeostasis. Even if homeostasis is five drinks a day. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. And the problem with alcohol though is though, because our brain is so smart, right? It wants to keep us balanced. When we drink, you know, first we feel this dopamine rush. We feel this immediate, like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. And and but then once the alcohol leaves the blood, then our brain detects the depressant. So then it shoots out cortisol, adrenaline to kind of bring us back up from the low. So we feel this sometimes chittery feeling after the first drink wears off and not knowing that what's happening chemically, we go to the next one and trying to get that high again, which we we don't have because then we already have these chemicals in our system. So it's very, 
once I started understanding all that stuff, you know, then it was like, okay, there's other ways to control my drinking and to not make me feel like mm-hmm. this big alcohol, but rather yeah. empower. And then during COVID, I created this program called Super Month Experiment for for women like me. And I, it really hit off. I coached women all over the world throughout the whole pandemic to just understand you know we had this this month together and then learning about alcohol it's not about labeling guilting shaming it's about a community that lifts each other up and really understands that we are not alone i always thought i'm the only one that can handle the liquor i really thought i'm the only one mm. and isn't that funny because it's almost the opposite it's like there are actually so many people that feel a lot of these similar feelings they may be at a different place but one of the ways i think in which that are I I just the brain interests me so much because of this because it wants us to think that we're alone things that are not meant for us often isolate us they make Mm -hmm. give us feelings of isolation things that don't make us feel like our best selves often make us feel give us feelings of isolation separation from people even if again it but it's your attachment to it if it was something that you had one drink two drinks sorry um, but yeah, I think so many people, that's part of their, their, their struggle is that they do feel like there, there's almost so much shame that the shame prevents you from finding other options. Again, not that AA isn't wonderful and it works for a lot of people, but there are people that it, it doesn't, or it, the way in which it's structured doesn't, or yeah. the labeling. And, and we'll kind of get into all of that in just a little bit, but I love that you pursued something else that you're like no there's another way there's another way yeah it it was hard because you know we when you it's so interesting because I always I also help people with weight loss right and I'm it's for a company that trains me on psychology and and it's exactly the same thing they don't focus on food they focus on their behavior and why they eat food but it's different though because when you you can go somewhere and say oh I'm I'm just don't feel like having this cake for dessert no thank you but when you go somewhere and you are doing a sober month or you're not or you're not drinking you have to defend why you don't drink. You yes. have you have to defend not taking. It's the weirdest thing. It is. It, it is something that's always amazed me. Like if I say no to like weed or other things that are, are in the vicinity, okay, fine, no big deal. You say no to a drink, you're pregnant. You yeah. are like, is something wrong? Are you taking a medication? And usually the medication is like the last question. Do you like, are you okay? Why, why is there something wrong with me? Why is that your first thought? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But you know, it comes down to the social programming, the culture. I mean, when you look at it, and it's so interesting, what I learned too, is how the advertising companies, you know, they're mostly sponsored by the alcohol industry, obviously. And so all these commercials, it's always shows this, these happy people, and they're always in shape. And they're, but they never show a hangover person who maybe, you know, got a DOI just two hours ago. I mean, it's always just, you yeah. needed to celebrate. You needed to, even after all these fitness, I used to run Tough Mudders and Spartans. And the first thing they do, they hand you a beer. And your beer. Yeah. It's, so it's it's ingrained, you know, and it, it is, think about growing up in Germany. I mean, the beer in Germany, it just goes together, you know? And, and it's just when you, and I, and I still think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, if, when, if you enjoy a drink and you're, fine and you just enjoy it and you don't need it though like if there's a difference between needing something 
or being able to just say, okay, I'm going out to super nice dinner. I'm having a nice glass of wine and I'm done with it. And, you know, and then you're fine again for months, maybe years sometimes. Who cares? But if you, if you feel you needed to de-stress, to decompress, to be more funny, to fit in, to get more confidence, you know, all these things to celebrate to, I mean, even on, on, on funerals, right? Everything there's drinking is everywhere. If you feel you need it and you think about it a lot, then it's really helpful to take a break. And, and, my program is not about you can never drink again. That's not for me to decide. You know, it's really for for women who are kind of sick and tired of feeling that way and saying, okay, I'm going to just see what it's like. Maybe after these 30 days, I feel so amazing that I don't want to go back, yeah. you know? And maybe if I do want to go back, I go back. I went back a lot. And then, you know, sometimes it was great. And sometimes I'm like, nope, now I remember why I did this to begin with. So <laughs> Because I think if you're being told what to do, you can never drink again or else. Mm. How how fun is that to live like that? You know, we want to be in control. <clears throat> well, I think too, that kind of takes, so when you look at, and again, and not that all of AA and different programs like that, that cold turkey aren't really great for a lot of people. But there's also something to be said for the extremism of it. If I always, I always in energetic purposes kind of talk about, we often come in for healing sessions when we have swung way too far one way. Mm-hmm. And now usually what happens is people think, <coughs> sorry, I've like a tickle in my throat. Uh, people often think, okay, I need to swing the complete opposite way because nothing over here is good. Yeah. Now, everything that's associated with all of these behaviors and habits is bad. Because this led me to a bad state. It made me feel imbalanced. So now everything that's on the complete other side looks very appealing and very shiny and sparkly. So you're like, I'm going to do all of this. But too much extremism is actually what keeps you out of balance on both sides. Yep. Yeah. Excuse me. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, I, I lived that life actually forever to be one extreme or the other. You know, if I, if, if, in the past I would stop drinking on my own but then I would eat right exercise not eat sugar not eat carbs only high protein you know all these so I would go from one thing to the other extreme but I would never find peace or happiness because I was always I was still I was still reaching on the outside to find something right well all of that behavior is what you're searching for in one behavior one element you are thinking if I reach for something else then now I'll have that and this is kind of what I really love that that this conversation is going this way because it's really about in in my what I see I feel like it's more about the perception of the attachment whatever this is giving you and a lot of times those attachments come very young especially if you observe like you did growing up it was very normal to drink at every occasion at every dinner and all of these things that becomes a very normal behavior and so it's not that as an adult, you were like, I need this to curb all of my feelings when I'm feeling like this. It was part of the normal day-to-day living from a very young age. And you observed it as still functioning, still, you know, being with the family, still going to work. So you're like, this isn't bad. So it's not that the behavior itself is bad. It's that as things start to move again in one direction or another, your attachment to it and the way in which you need it for life. Yeah, it was the meaning I gave it. 
Mm. You know, it was because in the end, alcohol is just all, it's just a substance. It's a, it, we know it's ethanol. It's a, it's a toxin, right? So mm. it really is it's the number is a uh, number one carc carcinogenic. Is that how I say it? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Carcinogenic. Yeah. And carcinogen. Carcinogen. Thank you. But uh -huh. you know, so, so sugar is highly addictive. There's other things too, and you know, pot is too. But I was never or cigarettes, it was never, I was never drawn to these things. You know, I tried pot, I tried cigarettes. It wasn't, uh, you know, but alcohol wasn't, you're right. It was probably because of what I observed. Isn't it delicious? I was like, some of these drinks are real good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they shake it down, you know, they're all yeah, sweet. Smooth. Yeah. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. Like, I was like, well, and that's honestly part of it is that people don't realize um, that their behaviors are the, some of the addiction to even the behaviors is again, kind of like you said, a byproduct of, of advertising. And here's the thing I saw, so I, I just did a, a finished up a um, training on hypnotherapy. And he said one of the most profound things, because as we're kind of looking through things, I'm looking at the way that my brain works is I get very like big picture, very fast. I always joke that I have like the I could create all of these. I'm like, this is a really great business. Now you put it together. This is a really great business. Now you put it together. Like all of the detail stuff, my brain can do, and I can, I'm great at it, but I'm, um, they're often categorized into two different categories. People are either stringers where they string the big ideas together and kind of make it happen, or they're the big idea people. And, um, and he was saying, he's like, you are being, you think that, hip, you know, being hypnotized is something that you have to like lay down and go through all this trance. He goes, fucking marketing. You are being hypnotized to think. And what they do is they, they create, they're called anchors. And so it's like every time they use certain colors, they use certain verbiage. That's why there's jingles and things like that. What they're doing is programming literally your brain to think I am more fun I have a good time. This is what I do with my friends. This is what I do when I celebrate with whatever alcohol it is. Absolutely. We are all brainwashed. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, so like even that to know that it's like, there's no way then you could also feel alone to be the only person that feels like alcohol has a bigger hold on you than you want. True. But you don't, you know, people don't know that though. For no. me, I didn't know that. And, and, and then I started reading about it that actually these spots where you see like a product for just 30 seconds, yeah. you know, so there's something in the forefront, right? So these subliminal messages they call, they go to, straight into your subconscious. And, and so now then I started observing like, okay, now I get it because yeah, mm -hmm. you don't pay attention and it happens, but you know, what, what, what really, what's so evil, I think sometimes, and again, it's a labeling, but about that substance is that, it really steals our souls. And I've seen that in so many women where they start becoming, you know, starts out innocent, party, party, and it's slow. It doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it takes 20, 30 years. I was fine in my 20s and my 30s, even beginning of my 40s. And then it started to, to flip. And it's because of how our brain gets used to it. And I'm sure you can talk to that too, that, you know, you need at some point, you need more and more and more to get the same. But then also our brain doesn't, normally uh, produce the dopamine anymore that it usually would yeah. have done if it wouldn't have constantly been artificially induced so the brain gets lazy in a way so then we feel this slow and it's almost then you need it yeah. more and more right and so i mean that the people that i coach is it's always the same patterns they're stressed out they are um they feel alone sometimes they feel bored i mean it's like their best friend it's like yeah. a companion that's always available always there yeah and especially i mean most places you can go to the grocery store and pick it up 
or you know if you some states have like state liquor stores like and those are everywhere it's not like you have to drive very far and you can have it freaking shipped to your house like delivery yes during covid drinking got up 380 percent and it was all online deliveries i mean it's crazy you know and and it's not that i'm drinking drinking you know i'm the last one that touches drinking i don't want to touch anything but it's really for the people that really feel it it kind of hinders what who they think they can be or want to be Mm. um i feel like that's kind of my experience with it at least is i i feel like um, especially because I had kids very young that I didn't ever really drink at home. Hardly ever. I mean, if I did, it would be like one glass of wine and that, I, that would be it. And that was yeah. very, very rare. So it was almost like when I would go out and drink, I'd be with my girlfriends. I was single. It felt like the time when I could kind of take that responsibility hat off. And it felt like that's when it, like fun me could really come out, which I was like, which is funny. Cause I feel like if you know me in real life, like I am kind of very silly and fun and like playful. So I'm, I, it's, it's interesting how that perception though starts to happen. Like I'm more like this when I drink and I like that part of me, like that part of you. And that's what people don't understand. I think until they get away from it, mm-hmm. but that part of you is always there. And um, actually during YTT, when I did my first one was one of the first times that I took a long period of time. I would go without drinking, but not um, in the like intentional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during yoga teacher training, um, the one that both her and I went through, um, you do three weeks of no drink. There's no alcohol, no caffeine, no gluten, no um, animal products and sugar, no sugar, no processed sugar. Um, so that was kind of the first time that I really experimented with like still going out. Like before I'd be like, I would go out and I would just have one drink instead of having four you know, going out with my girlfriend, I'd be like, Oh, I'm just gonna have one. But now it was like, no, I was intentionally going out and being like, no, I'm just not having any, like, I'm not having any. And I was like, Oh, I'm still a really great time. <laughs> and that's, I mean, but that's the thing is until you get away from that, that's what, what we were kind of talking about earlier, this pendulum of swinging so far one way and then being so extreme and really identifying yourself that you have this problem. And this, this is actually the, I wouldn't say issue that I have with alcoholic anonymous but I really have with anything anytime you're attached to a label it defines you and it rules your life yep so if you continue to identify as a a recovering alcoholic if you're always an alcoholic what is the stigma behind it whether you like it or not it's there and in your mind you've already it's like I always kind of say to people in healing sessions I'm like okay if if I say red to somebody one person says hate anger another person says love in most people's minds alcoholic doesn't elicit feelings of any type of love. Nope. No. So, so now you're placing this identification and vibrationally attaching yourself to things that you don't want to be, and then hoping not to attract it. Yeah. To me, that makes, does not make any sense, which is why I want to have this conversation because you're, I think doing what most people are wanting to achieve by going to Alcoholics Anonymous is actually change the way that your brain fires and wires together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the client I just spoke to earlier today, she went to AA for a while and she, she, it really hurt her more in the end. And again, it's so difficult because it is a good institution it has worked for over 50 years, you know, for a lot of people and it still does, but it doesn't consider the holistic human mm. or the soul or, you know, it doesn't 
it doesn't treat it just looks at this one thing alcohol and it's just you are being told you can never in your life have it or you know you are doomed and you are going well, to that, be but that and the, it's also then all this feelings of shame i relapsed mm-hmm. and so then you have i was like feelings of shame bring on all sorts of other physical ailments so yeah. what i find really interesting is even though you may not be drinking alcohol the amount of emotional abuse you may be putting yourself through can actually cause a lot of other health issues. It's huge. Yeah. And that's, and, and what people also don't understand is that when you, you know, there, there's these stages of change, right? From the pre-contemplation, contemplation, and then you're in the action and then, you know, it goes on. But the action phase, when you're finally ready to make a change. So let's say you say, okay, 30 days, no drinking. This is what I commit to. The action stage is the phase where the most lapses happen, meaning not a relapse. A relapse is when you really, you go back to drinking and then you you vanish off, you stay there and you go in a binge for the next days, weeks, months. But a lapse is you have maybe two weeks doing great and then you have a sip of or a glass of wine or maybe two. The difference is that then the next day you kind of, all you do is not beat yourself up. You don't feel like crap. You don't do all this negative self-talk. But we then look at it and just learn from it. You know, okay, what happened? What were your thoughts? What were your triggers? What is the strategy that we could do next time? And then we move on and that's it. But often, especially especially us women, probably I think because we are so hard on ourselves, we have this, we feel we need to be perfect and we feel we need to have it all right. And then when we don't, we fall and then we get into this negative self-spiral down talk, which is isolating, which is, it brings up this feeling of despair and depression and hopelessness. And so then we, we, we go away again, you know, I see mm. that so women just because they think they just, they can't do it, but they can, you know, it just takes a group of people together that say, Hey, you're not alone. I'm going through the same thing. We're just learning. We just, you know, that's all it is because a journey, it's a journey. I don't think we are meant to be perfect at anything. No. Well, and, and I think w- the way in which you're speaking about it, there's almost this like kindness, there's this mm-hmm. forgiveness, there's this humanness about it that, you know, sometimes you mess up and that doesn't mean you're starting from day one, but every day is day one. Yeah. Every single day is going to be different. It's going to bring with you different things. One day you wake up and you know, I, I feel like this, a prime example is like one day you wake up and you're pregnant and the next day you wake up and you have a baby, like yeah. life can literally change. And within a couple of minutes yeah. and your whole life, I, I just don't feel like you define who you are by behaviors. If, if that's the case, I was like, I'd always be a thumb sucker. Thumb mm-hmm. suckers anonymous. Do you know what I'm, I was like, I have a whole collapsed palate in my mouth because I suck my damn thumb so much, but but there's no negative stigma. So it's not a big deal. But if there was, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's being like, I'm going to identify as this thumb sucker forever. Well, that's fine. As long as it doesn't create negative connotations, but an alcoholic does. And so when you, yeah, when you talk about the way in which you're talking about really gives people this opportunity to see themselves as human, to actually look at not just their triggers, it's taking responsibility for what, when you did have an error in judgment, right? You were like, I'm doing a sober month or whatever. And you had a glass of wine. Why was that? Was it a really hard day? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a really hard day and it means nothing. One of the, the things that I always give to my clients is always try whatever you feel bad about something. Nothing means nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. 
Love that. It literally means nothing. Yeah, it's the meaning we give it. That's the yeah. thing, though. Yeah. And that's that's due to how we're programmed often, how we see things as we you know look through life all differently. But yeah, the the shame and guilt in the labeling is really something I I I so steer away from because nobody wants to be in that box. You know, nobody wants to be told that oh something is wrong with you. You're this alcoholic. You're this in a way you're not fit for life in a way almost you know mm-hmm. and drink blah, blah. so but i do think though that it all starts with how you see yourself and how you value yourself and how you respect yourself but when we drink and sometimes the drink takes over it steals all that because we don't we are not ourselves anymore you know it numbs yeah. down and so a lot of these women and myself too when you do this over a while and you don't know anymore who you are you identify yeah. as this person that's a drinker right or a person that needs all that alcohol to have fun or to to live yeah. so that the, the part that i'm teaching or that we're coaching around is you let go of this crutch and through a lot of self-compassion self-love and it's not just bubble baths and you know all that stuff it's really really going deeper and saying okay why my belief systems my patterns and how can i how can i examine these and then see are they still true and if not then we change them and and program differently but to connect back to self because when you love yourself and when you respect yourself you don't you don't need anything from the outside anymore to make you feel complete or to help you fill a void and that's the goal you know the goal is not to not ever drink again. The goal is to love yourself so much that you then make a, a, a self-loving decision to say, do I want to put this in my body and feel like this tomorrow? Or do I love myself so much that I just don't need it right now? I don't, I want to feel good. So I'm doing different things. And that's the, that's the part that we are working on really the most is to connect back to self. Yeah. Mm, I love that. And I, I think there's so many programs that, and just like options for people to get help out there that forget that it's not about demonizing the behavior that doesn't, that doesn't make the behavior better. Right. Truly, if you come back to a space of loving kindness does wonders. I always think about children, um, specifically like athletes that were maybe in a very poor neighborhood, didn't have resources, but somebody took a chance and saw them as human. Somebody showed them loving kindness. They didn't berate them into being the best. Those people never make it. The people who are beaten down do not make it to the level of success to the people who are loved up. Yeah. And I I think that that even rings true for something like this. Like you people don't get better because you just keep getting angry at them or or you know, what's that? Um, I think of like the Game of Thrones, which she watched around shame, 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 shame. Like, no, that doesn't make anything better. No, it doesn't. And you know what? We as, we as women do that anyway. You know, we beat yeah. ourselves. Because and we I don't need you. No. Well, and it, like, no, exactly. It does. It creates a, um, actually his, uh, the podcast is called Huberman Lab. Um, yes. It is episode 86. And it's specifically about all of the um, biological results of um, intoxication of, of taking um, alcohol. Um, and it, I love, he, um, explained it so well, but it was something to, um, I can't remember all the specifics, but basically when you think about what alcohol, what does alcohol do? It kills germs, right? We use 
alcohol for cleaning and all these things just because this is ethanol eth, eth, <laughs> I was like, yeah i was like just because this is alcohol that we ingest does not mean it does not also kill gut bacteria and as a i always kind of made the the joke with everybody i was like i have a great physical hangover my emotional hangover is terrible mm-hmm. i hate the way that i emotionally feel the next day and i'm sure part of that is what i do as a job is i'm just very sensitive to energy and emotion and things like that yeah and i was like this is not worth it and i think that's the difference is recognizing okay i'm functioning i'm doing all these things but i'm not I'm not actually living. Yeah. I'm just yeah. alive. Yes. Yeah. That's what I see in, in, in my clients a lot is the, all of a sudden after usually sometimes even after a week of, of not drinking already, they're like, wow, this is, this is how I can feel mm. because, you know, even it takes about, it takes about a good week to really sometimes longer, depending on your, what you're drinking and how often mm-hmm. how much to, for the alcohol to leave the system. So when you think about it, when you drink maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe you drink again Thursday night, maybe Sunday again, you constantly have toxin in your system. Mm-hmm. So you're never really yourself. And mm-hmm. so for them waiting until it's completely gone and then really say, oh, wow, you know, I can taste my food. I can like, it's, it's simple. It's crazy. I have energy or my emotions are more balanced. When I was drinking a lot, I was angry. I was so angry. I had outbursts of anger and lash out at my kids constantly because, because I always had this, this anxiety and this depression and this, you know, then I felt horrible about myself and I, I felt I was so out of control and didn't know how to fix it. So all these things were going on around me that, I, I I wasn't be I wasn't able to be myself. And so that's what the biggest gift is, I think, is to just take a break to just see how you can feel. That's all it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about never ever. It's just about I'm taking a break because I want to see the kind of person that that I can be and, and how, how good I can actually feel without it. And you know, like, it's not that easy because sometimes when we're so still attached to it and then you go out for dinner and then you're with your friends and everybody has a glass of wine, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're missing out. But then I always say, well, what are you really missing out on? Maybe 15 minutes of happiness and then it goes away. It's 15 minutes, the first class, that's all you get. And then it drops and then you want another one. And then, you know, then we know. Yeah, it's this literal, like you're chasing this high. Yeah. And, um, and eventually I was like, eventually your body is like, no girl, we're going to put you to sleep night, night, you know, there's just, and that's what yeah. the heart, then you get up and you're chasing it again. Cause you feel shitty. So that's what when people are like, Oh, hair of the dog. I'm like, it's not hair of the dog. It, you don't, it doesn't help. It actually just keeps you drunk. Yeah. I keep, well, it kind of balances out the anxiety because of the chemicals, but that's it. So you never, but then you get another dose of chemicals because that hair of the dog, leaves you too so then the the brain is so smart right it always tries to keep us kind of balanced but then the next thing is people say oh i needed to sleep no it completely messes up it actually messes oh i have the the worst sleep the worst sleep ever yeah so yeah i mean you know i this has been the most rewarding work for me that i've ever done is to really to see people realize that it's not needed you know, you don't need it. Well, so then explain for for those people who are are doing sober October or are maybe curious, are sober curious, and they're like, uh, I don't know. It seems like 
I always feel like for myself, it is one of those where I'm like, oh, after this event, oh, after this event, which tells me, I, I mean, and I know this about myself, I very much use it as a celebratory type um, of thing. I'm not, when I'm sad, I never have any desire for it or when I'm angry, which uh, I'm not sure which is better because if you're always feeling good, you're always down for a drink. So I'm not, I'm not sure which is the better <laughs> or better choice, but but um, what would you tell those people who are like, okay, I'm, 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 I can do this. Like, I think I want to do this for a month. What would be like your first kind of words or was words of wisdom or, or steps that they could take? The, the first step is really to look for a group support group It's so much easier and so much more fun, you know? So, I mean, for me, I, I can tell you how the, my October group works right now. You know, the, the, they reached out to me. We all, I create a private group on Facebook right now. I'm, I'm looking at different stuff later, but right now it's Facebook, it's private. So nobody can see what they comment and who's in it. And so we, you know, introduce ourselves. We kind of say what got us there. And then we check in every day for accountability. There's a check-in every day. And there is a call once a week where we all come to Zoom. We, we come together and we talk and I coach through some, you know, obstacles sometimes. There's a lot of emphasis on, personal development but but mainly how to nurture yourself you know and that is like understanding what is self-love what is self-compassion what is all these things and then little tools along the way that we try together there's homework optional of course but but what really is the most important is to find a group of people don't do like you can't do it alone I tried alone for a long time and it's not as fun <laughs> it's like it's, it's not like, well and you're like I mean, I, it's like anything else. I mean, and, and we know this just from going to yoga. It, you do yoga. If you do your practice at home, you are eons above those of us who are like a practice in a group of room, no matter how seasoned a yoga practitioner you are, no matter how long you've been doing it, when you come together in a group, in a room together, it is different. The feeling is different. And I feel like it's it yes. just goes to show that the energy exchange between humans is very, very real. When everybody's there for a similar purpose, things change and they change fast. Absolutely. It's such a game changer to be in a group. You know, it really is. And and these groups are not hundreds and because I've been in groups with tens and thousands of women and it's different. You still you can't get this 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 real connect where you almost form friendships and where you really you have each other's back in a way, you know, and and you know that you're not alone. Like mm -hmm. I said, my, my early journey, I thought I'm the only one that is messed up or somehow and can't handle it. And then there's now this whole world of women like me. And and it's really empowering to have that experience and go through something like that with, with like-minded people. It's so, I, I think the connection part is the most important part, honestly. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. I am. Um... Thank you so much, Tina, for this conversation. I think it, it just gives a lot of people perspective that one, that they're not alone. B, they're one, B, one, two. That there doesn't have to be like all this shame around it or all these like feelings. Like if you're feeling like you want to take a sober month off, that doesn't mean anything about you. Um, but also if you feel like you've got this attachment to alcohol, like finding something where you can look into the why in a very safe space and have that support is is really essential so thank you so much for, for being you. here thank you for having me i'm it was really awesome thank you it was very you guys it was very spur of the moment i literally was like i'm doing sober october and she's like oh my gosh like i can't remember what what she said and i was like do you want to have a podcast with tomorrow work <laughs> i said i have a program 
you want to come on? Sure. Oh, it's, it's tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and that's, this is what I'm telling you. Like, I don't have time for things. I'm just like, pilot in. We're, we're good to go. I can do it. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. If you are interested in her sober month experiment or she runs them every single month, some people are in them all year long. Some people just do it month to month. Um, if you want to get in on that, you can email her info at Tina Von Sachs.com. I'll put her email in the show notes so you can, you can check that out. And I would just put podcast in the subject so that she knows where you found her. Um, it's always nice to see, you know, where people come from, how they find you um, and make different connections. So if you are one of my peeps that is doing the, the um, sober October and you want a little bit more support, Tina would be your, your gal. She'll really help hold you to, to not just like, I, when I say highest standard, I don't, I don't mean highest standard in like a bad way. I mean it in like, she's really wanting to nurture you into feeling your best around your behaviors around alcohol and, and your behaviors around how you feel about yourself and why you do what you do. So she's definitely an, an expert on that. So give her a, a little email if you need anything from her. And then um, before we go, I always ask everybody, if you are trapped in an elevator and you are only going one floor up, so you have about three seconds to tell somebody the secret of life, what would it be? In three seconds, the secret of life is finding inner peace to me, mm. like finding a way that you don't need anything from the outside to make you feel complete. And mic drop. That's it. That's all she wrote. I was like, if that doesn't sum up the whole thing, I don't know what does. So thank you so much, Tina. If you loved this episode and you found it that was so helpful, please take a screenshot of you listening, share it on your Instagram. Um, we would love, you can tag us at Shalane Carter. She is also at Tina Von Sachs. So, yeah. you know, just get a unique name and then it'll be there for you. And you don't have to worry about finding some cutesy name that you're like, is that me? Is that not? Um, tag us because we would love to, to know if you're doing this over October or if you're interested in more or if Honestly, sometimes people are just afraid to, to seek out help. So if this is something that you even found a little nugget in, just like she said, other people feel the same. So please share. Um, and we love you all. Cheers. Bye.